Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Game Trail Podcast. I'm Trail Kreitzer. I work over here at Go Hunt. This is my own podcast. I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Uh, I got great feedback from uh, the last episode from Colorado. That's kind of a stretch for me to spend an hour and 25 minutes talking on my own. But like I said, I was able to kind of put together some thoughts and ideas that I wanted to pass on to you guys. And, you know, I appreciate the feedback. Sounds like you guys found some value in that. Um, those kinds of messages you guys shoot my way, whether it's a review in Spotify or, you know, you shoot me an email or a DM, uh, those kinds of things just make my day. And, you know, I appreciate that you guys are listening to the podcast and, and hopefully you are finding some value in them. Uh, today I got an episode. I got a guest today, as promised, last week. I guess a couple weeks ago at this point, but I have my friend Cody Nelson, uh, aka the glassing guru over here at Go Hunt. Cody Nelson is our optics manager. Uh, the guy has, I think as I said in the podcast, he's probably forgotten more about optics than I'll, I've ever even learned. Uh, he understands them on a level that very, very few people do. Um, I got a chance to ask him questions about some different models that I've been curious about, uh, about his glassing techniques, his methodology. I uh, just had a good conversation with him. Um, I appreciate Cody coming on. He spent a couple hours with me, and so hopefully you guys like this episode. Uh, I wanted to hit you guys with a promo right now. It's a special promo we've got going on through the 29th of October. So right now through the 29th of October, you can use the promo code GAMETRAIL. That's G-A-M-E-T-R-A-I-L if you want to sign up for a Go Hunt Insider account. Uh, if you do that right now, we're going to give you 100 points back to the Go Hunt gear shop. So that's $100 that you can use towards the purchase of any equipment, gear. You know, we've got all kinds of things, including a ton of optics in the Go Hunt gear shop. You guys can use those uh, dollars back on your new insider membership towards the purchase of anything you want in the shop. Uh, if you want to sign up for Go Hunt Maps, uh, which is this, we call it the we call it the Explorer membership, uh, you can sign up with that promo code Game Trail, and we're going to give you fifty dollars. So in essence, it's a 50-50-50 promo. It's 50 bucks to sign up. We're going to give you 50 bucks back to spend in the Go Hunt gear shop, and you're going to get all 50 states in that Go Hunt Maps membership. So now's a great time to sign up, whether you're looking for a Go Hunt Insider account or a Go Hunt Explorer Maps account. Uh, and like I said, use that promo code GAMETRAIL. Uh, also, at this time, I wanted to recognize and thank Matthews Archery as a sponsor of the podcast. Those guys are just good dudes over at Matthews. Uh, I was up shooting this morning. Uh, just sent some arrows down at 125 yards just for fun. Man, I absolutely love shooting my bow. It's just one of my very most favorite simple pleasures in life. And I really like Matthews bows. Uh, I'm getting ready for an upcoming hunt in November in Nevada for mule deer. Uh, I have ultimate confidence in my Matthews bow. I've got this thing just absolutely dialed as probably if I've ever had a bow. Uh, I just have a ton of confidence in it right now, and I appreciate those guys for sponsoring the podcast. So with that, uh, let's jump in and listen to a couple hours of just talking optics and just kicking around some ideas with the glassing guru, Cody Nelson. Uh, hey, welcome everybody to the Game Trail Podcast. Uh, I'm going to hit you guys with a couple of promos before we get started. I've got a guest today, as promised, uh, last week when I put this last episode out. Uh, I'll wait a second to intro him. Uh, he's a, a good friend of mine and a wealth of knowledge, so I'm excited to talk to him today. But before I get going, uh, I'm going to hit you with a couple of promos. Uh, you guys can use the promo code GAMETRAIL, that's G-A-M-E-T-R-A-I-L. Uh, you can use that when you sign up for a Go Hunt Insider account. We do have a special promo running uh, October 15th through the 26th. 
Um, that's a promo for the shop. So members that shop in our Gohan gear shop are going to get two times the points. Uh, we also have a special promo from October 12th through the 29th. And that's a 50-50-50 promo. So you can sign up for 50 bucks. You're going to get 50 states. That's our Go Hunt Maps portion of that platform. And you're also going to get 50 points back in the Go Hunt gear shop. So like I said, use that promo code GAMETRAIL. Uh, now's a great time to pick up some gear, uh, maybe some optics, which there's a little bit of a clue to maybe my, my <laughs> guest today. Uh, <laughs> um, I did also want to recognize and thank uh, sponsor of the podcast, Matthews Archery. Uh, I was out shooting my bow again this morning. Um, You know, the other night (laughs) I shot twice in one day with the other day. Um, And I went up and shot in the morning and then all my kids were at basketball and soccer practice. And my wife was busy not doing anything. That's no knock on her, but she wasn't doing anything. So I was like, well, I'm going to run up and shoot my bow again. So uh, shooting twice a day, some days, but absolutely love shooting my Matthews bow. Uh, so I wanted to thank Matthews Archery as a sponsor of the podcast. Those guys make great bows. I have a ton of confidence in them. Uh, I'm really excited that I've still got an archery hunt uh, coming up in November in Nevada. Uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to put that uh, bow to use. So special thanks to Matthews as a sponsor of the Game Trail Podcast. Uh, so with that, I'm going to jump into the episode. I'm going to introduce my guest. I have my good friend, my buddy, uh, my confidant, uh, Cody Nelson, the glassing guru here at Go Hunt. How you doing, Cody? Dude, I got to tell you, I'm excited to be here, man. This is, uh, yeah. I knew when when the scuttlebutt was happening and the talk, I was like, this has got to happen. Trail's got to do this. And then, you know, and then, and then I heard the name and I was like, oh, it, I mean, it was, it just, it's kind of like one of those things that was made to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. It works out when you get a name like Trail, it leaves the door open for some Yeah. You, you get some good, get some, some good, uh, some good runway with that name. So I'm, uh, I'm happy okay. for you, and I'm uh, I'm really happy to be here today. And um, this is you know just it gives us another platform to talk about the stuff we love doing most. Which for you sure. know me, I'm um, I, I, I can talk about I can talk about optics all day long. So as I do, yeah, I, I do, do talk about it all day long. So I it, it you know just another another platform to help out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, give me a, a quick rundown, Cody. I know that probably a lot of people that might listen to my podcast or the Big Hunt guys, or even you know if you've listened to Jay Scott podcast. But give us a, a quick rundown on what you do here at Go Hunt. How long you've been at Go Hunt, and then why do you think it is that you've landed where you've landed? Well, hey, well you know what? It's funny because I just got chills thinking about this because it just dawned on me. Like I'm over, I'm five, I've, I'm, I'm over five years now. That's crazy. So I, I just I can't believe that we're here this long. And um, yeah, I mean, if, uh, if for people that don't know, um, you know, I spent, you know, the, the I don't know, probably first 15 years after college in the uh, in the in the in the home building business. Um, you know, I was a, a customer service director. I spent time as a superintendent. Um, I, um, you know, was a. a like I, I was the guy that kind of when, when the really bad things happened to your home, I was the guy that went in and moved people out and put them, put the homes back together and then, you know, and moved them back in and, and made it look all pretty and nice. And uh, so I did that. And then, you know, when the, when the bottom fell out of the market, I got interested in, in maybe kind of figuring out how to make my hobby pay for, you know, my, my living. And, um, right. so I, I, started working for a local gun shop here in town called Don sports shop. And then I worked for a, a buddy of mine, Dusty Erickson, um, uh, over at Bass Pro for a year and a half. And then 
And then I, I, I ran the outdoorsman's for a better part of, I don't know what it was, eight and a half, nine, ten years, something like that, a while. And uh, so, um, you know, uh, when I left the outdoorsman's, I, I wound up at Go Hunt, and it's been man, I mean, the growth and, and the opportunity and the people and the passion, um, you know, and I, I trail, I, I consider myself to be really lucky because I don't think everybody gets to, to you know, they, I don't think they get to live and, and, and talk about their passion every day sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and while, I, you know, we could get into that on a whole nother podcast, that has its drawbacks too. But I, I, I wake up in the morning and really enjoy going to work. And it's yeah. because I get to talk about something that I love doing and I've loved to do since I can remember since I was a kid. For sure. And uh, so, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, five years is, man, it's been, it's been a great ride. It's, it's awesome. And I'm, I, <laughs> I can't wait for the next five because I, I just, I think we're doing a good thing. Yeah. No, it's, it's the best. I mean, helping people, I, I've had, I'm having a particularly good day today. I've had a number of personal messages today. Uh, one of them was an email I got from a guy. Uh, maybe I'll just read it real quick, but it was, it made my whole day. So I, I definitely appreciate when people, and I know that you had this happen, but this guy said, Hey, I just wanted to thank you for all the great content and wisdom you share. After seven long seasons, I was finally able to harvest my first archery bull elk in Idaho on a public land hunt. He's like, I credit uh, you and a lot of other guys uh, to provide me with the know-how to get it done. Thank you again for being down to earth and just a good dude. Congrats on a great buck and bull. He's like, thanks for all the help, you know. And after seven seasons, I finally harvested my first bull. So, I mean, that kind of stuff is so awesome. Like, that stuff just makes my day. And there, there are days, like, when I'm in the office and I'm just like, oh, man, this is kind of a grind. This is a job, you know. But then you get an email like that and you have a chance to talk to somebody or hear from somebody that you helped out that then got to go out and like live out one of their dreams. It's, it's a pretty cool feeling. And I know that you get that all the time too. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I had one the other day, you know, I always, my favorite term for that is, you know, I get all choked up on feel good. Right. And, um, you know, this guy, I was talking to this guy, Darren, and we just, you know, we just happened to know each other from a while back. And, you know, he literally did after the phone call, I didn't think I was doing anything different than I always do. And he called mm-hmm. in and, and told, I don't Braden and whoever else he talked to that he was just blown away by the service. And, and, and I just, man, I, I just thought I was treating him like I wanted to be treated myself when I call somewhere. And, and, um, sure. uh, you know, rarely a week goes by, especially during the hunting scenes of trail or even really a day anymore that I don't get a text from somebody saying, Cody, you know, glassing from a tripod and, the good glass or what, what, whatever scenario we helped him with very rarely do I get not get a text that says, man, that changed like my whole outlook about how I do things in the woods. And I don't know that there can be really a more rewarding feeling than that. Yeah. And so I I always joke about it, but it's like, you know, I tell guys, I'm like, well, you're either going to get out there and you're going to cuss me for all that money you spent and, (laughs) <laughs> and, and it didn't help you or you're going to think to yourself, man, that was the best money I ever spent. And, and that guy, you know, gave it to me, you, you know, just unbridled, like here, here's everything that we do. And yeah. you know, there's no secrets in this. And, and it, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm over all that secret stuff. I mean, yeah, I don't, you know, I mean, there's things that I may do in, instinctively that I may not even know yet, but I learn about stuff every day. And, and I just, 
I just try to have an open vest approach about it. And, um, mm-hmm. I think the more that I can help people, the more that'll come back to me. That's, I, I don't know. That's just my weird way For of sure. thinking about it. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I, I don't even often look at, Go, go, I was go just going to say, I don't even often look at it like I'm trying to help somebody per se. Like I'm, I'm trying to like pass on, you know, information that I've gained, you know, from experience and, you know, all the years I've put into it. And I don't necessarily like look at it as like this altruistic thing. Like I'm not trying to be like, I don't think anyway, like this super helpful guy. But like when you put out content and you're trying to pass on lessons that you learned, you try to help people you know, with methods and methodology and equipment and, you know, all the things that go into hunting, I don't necessarily think about it that way. But when I get return comments from somebody, whether it's an email or a message and they're like, Hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Like, and then you put it into perspective of, you know, I, I just know, I know what hunting means to me. Like I, I went out, you know, I killed a bull in Colorado a few weeks ago and just that experience, I look back on it and I just am like so over the moon about it. You know I mean? It was just right. the most fun satisfying just I felt this intense feeling of like man I really did something you know it just feels so good and so then somebody else has that experience I can only project onto them that you know it must feel that amazing feeling that you know to them and like if I played some small piece in that it just feels so good but those those make my day I I love those I know that you get those because we've talked about it yep it's why that's why I call it choke up on feel good yeah, yeah. They just, you know, they just say well, I'm, things I'm, to you and you just, you know, I don't know, uh, trail and, and I mean, not even to be in a negative perspective or keep it in a negative light, but that's, you know, I mean, I've had people reach out to me before and I know Jay has, and I'm sure you have, and they're like, why do you guys talk about this? And why do you tell all this and secrets? And, and I just, mm-hmm. I guess I'm just so over that, you know, I just, I just feel like by telling people and educating people and. I, quite honestly, I think it makes me better. Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah, I just feel that if I can, I can pass on knowledge and, and my experience and, and how that relates to gear and how it relates to helping somebody, you know, make smart choices that make sense for them, not me, for them. And I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty key thing to think about when you're, when you're you know, um, helping somebody. I, that, that overwhelmingly is a good feeling to me. Because... Yeah. Because if I could give somebody a, just an inkling or a, or just a small feeling of, of the way that I feel in the woods and what it mm-hmm. brings to me and the peace and the and the the just you know I, you know yeah the quietness and everything that I enjoy about it you know and the effort and all that stuff that goes into it if I can give them just a slice of that I think that that I've done something yeah. good so yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I also think I always look at it as like me passing on information of like what's worked for me. I don't necessarily see that that's going to like take away from my future success. Like an individual still has to go out there and they still have to do the work. They still have to do the e-scouting. They still have to do, you know, preseason scouting if they can do it. They still have to, you know, figure it out on their own. And, you know, the the knowledge that I've gained has been over you know, 20, 30 years of hunting. And like, I can't pass that on to somebody. I can give them like a little bit of, you know, pieces, but they're still going to have to go out there and earn it. Right. And I don't, I don't necessarily like, I don't look at it anymore as like, you know, them being out there and like me passing on just tips and tricks or equipment recommendations that I've got. I don't think it's going to take away from me because they still got to go out there and earn it. Well, you just, you're never going to get away from that. Yeah. It's, hunting is so hard. 
and you're still going to have to go out and do it. Trail, I, I think that's the thing is, is that I, as I get older, um, that I find more rewarding than anything now is it's, it, you know, there, I mean, yes, have the, have, we've all gone out and not seen something or not seen a bull or not seen a big bull or a big deer, whatever the, whatever the case is. I mean, I've got skunked many a times, mm-hmm. but that doesn't, that never, that never challenges the, the or, or, or takes away from the experience and the, and the effort and the mm-hmm. fun and the, you know, or like, again, for me, sometimes going out and glassing by myself is just pure peace and quiet. Nothing, to, mm-hmm. nothing ever takes away from that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, you know, yeah, I, I'll do this for the rest of my life. Yeah, I will. I don't, there's no doubt yeah, in my mind. No, I believe you. Yeah, I believe you. I will too. I, I don't know if I've told this before. I can't remember. I'm getting old. That's how you know I'm getting old. Cause I can't remember <laughs> if I've told the story before, but um, you know, my dad always used to tell me, and like, I think about this a lot, actually. Um, he's always telling, he, t- he used to tell me, you know, a, a tag is not, it doesn't equate to the value of an animal. Like a tag or a permit, it equates to the experience. It equates to the opportunity to be out in the woods, right. to have a, a weapon in your hand, to be out there hunting. Like the, the tag is the privilege that you have to go out and to hunt. It doesn't necessarily equate to an animal or a take of an animal. Like that's the ultimate goal, sure, but it, it's it's the experience as a whole. And I think since I started looking at hunting like that, it's kind of changed my perspective. It's not like you know, you pay for a tag and some of these tags are expensive. You know, you might pay 800 bucks like I just did in Colorado for an elk tag. And, you know, if I had to come home empty handed, it's really changed my perspective on hunting to look at it as I, I, that's my admission ticket for that experience as a whole, not necessarily the animal. Yeah. I, I I could could not agree more. And, and, uh, I, 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 your dad should be commended because that's exactly what it's all about. Yeah. So let's, uh, I invited you on to talk optics because you're our optics manager. You're the glassing guru. You, I mean, I think you've probably forgotten more about, you know, binoculars and spotting scopes and rifle scopes and glass than I've ever learned. <laughs> so um, I wanted to pick your brain. Uh, my podcast is, you know, I get pretty pretty deep in equipment and gear. And so I wanted to ask you a bunch of questions that I had about optics. I also wanted to just cover some some basics because I get a lot of questions myself and I know that you do as well. Sure. So maybe this is just another avenue that we can fire you know, away help people out and yeah, help them understand. So uh, I'm going to jump in. Um, so one of the first questions I always get, um, what, what should somebody spend on a pair of binoculars? Cody Nelson. You know, um, I always refer to this. I've always thought of like kind of the three pillars of glassing or is buy the best you can afford. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is my definition of that when I give seminars or rather I'm talking to somebody on the phone every day, whatever. My definition of that is, look, if you can buy a couple hundred dollar piece of glass and that's all you got. That's okay. Just buy the best piece of glass you can afford because mm-hmm. that piece of glass is better than a piece of glass that maybe doesn't, you know, isn't 200. But I mean, I, you know, whatever the jump mm-hmm. is, I just tell guys to buy the best glass they can afford. Whatever, whatever helps you stay behind the glass longer 
and whatever you know keeps you behind the glass and 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 keeps eye fatigue down and that's why i you know it's the the first pillar would be buy the best glass you can afford the second one is put it on a tripod and the third one is is slow down and be methodical right if you can mm-hmm. do those three things and you can you know relatively get a decent pair of glass and a and a you know any tripod is better than no tripod those two things alone in my opinion can literally change and it's proven been proven over and over again somebody's success in the field not necessarily maybe with killing or harvesting but literally seeing more game i i I can't stress that enough because I just think that the, the the better you go in glass, the less eye fatigue and eye strain, and it allows you to see things better and more clearly for longer. And and if you so, if you were to take a hunt trail, and you were to say, you know, at, at the end of the hunt you had let's just call it a hundred hours, but at the end of the hunt you still haven't killed, but I was able to bonus you back two extra hours, would you take it? Mm-hmm. And I would. Yeah. If I hadn't killed yeah, yet, you said, okay, I get two. But just think about yeah, all that time that you are you spend focusing or, you know, you fidgeting with your binos. If you don't have it just set right and, and you know, or you got to wipe your eyes all the time because you're, you're tired and, you know, I just always think of the better glass that I can purchase helps me minimize anything that takes me away from looking through them. Mm-hmm. So to, to that question, and that was kind of a leading question into another question that's in regards to this. I get, I get asked this a lot and I'm certain that you do too. Uh, somebody will ask me inevitably, um, I've got 500 bucks to spend on, or a thousand dollars to spend on a pair of binoculars. Should I buy the best piece of glass that I can buy with my 500 or my thousand dollars, or should I continue to save my money to bump up to well a better piece of glass? So we're always, what's your take on that? We're, we're always assuming depending on what a guy's got and what he's, you know, so guys that come to me that don't have any binos to speak of, I would typically tell someone to, to maximize the the, the piece of glass that they would envision themselves glassing with the most first. Cause I ultimately mm-hmm. think that's going to make the biggest impact. So in other words, I don't know. We've always kind of thought that we spend maybe 85% of our time, you know, looking through binos and 25, or I mean, I'm sorry. And 15% of our time looking through the spotting scope, they would say, well, which one do I buy first? And I would, in my opinion, I would buy the binos first because you're maximizing the amount of time through good glass. And again, if you mm-hmm. could, if we just take the tripod out of it and you, we, we're assuming you're putting it on a tripod, I think that you, 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 you do better or more with putting yourself behind glass that you can glass through for a very long time and it's high quality and, and whatnot. Now, if that's a thousand dollar piece, great. If it's a five hundred dollar piece, great. But I I don't think a guy needs to you know buy a two hundred dollar piece of glass and then you know I don't know how many years does it take him to get where he, he buys a two thousand dollar pair. I, I don't know that that's the answer. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I try to work with the individual on, okay, well, wh- where can we get you to? What's a good level? Where are you at now? And, and where can we make that jump to get you so you're highly efficient? I have that That's conversation right. literally almost every day because some guys are like, well, I'd rather take that 900 bucks and spread it out between a, a maybe a lower-end bino and a lower-end spotter. And, and in my opinion... I would rather have the higher end glass I'm spending 80%, 85% of my time through. And then I would rather save the next year to go get the spotter. Yeah. That, that's, that's how, that's, I, that's, you know, cool that's how know. I think about it. Does, yeah. I, you know, does, and I agree. I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's, that's good information. I agree. Spend, spend the money on the best piece of glass that you're going to spend the most time behind, which is a, a pair of binos. And, yeah. And I think trail you know, that it really deserves just a little bit of, maybe an explanation. I don't, I don't use spotting scopes one eye closed quote unquote as my main glassing tool. Yeah. I, I I think that that's something, I don't know where that started or how that began or, but I, 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 I talk about it every day. And I think that just purely glassing with a spotting scope is an incredibly inefficient way of finding game because you know most of them they're only going most of them are only going to go down to around twenty power, and even at twenty power, you you better be out past you know, I'd say a thousand yards or more to where you start getting some field of view where you can see something, you know, and and and, and I just think that if you, again put that money towards where you're going to spend the most of your time in glassing and then, you know, then follow it up with a, a, a spotting scope that's, you know, a, of that, that value or better, because I truly believe that when long range comes into, into play, I truly believe that, I mean, really believe that the longer the range, the better the glass that yeah. I think that the results just get in exponentially bigger. Yeah. So I, I'm exactly with you. I don't do, I don't do hardly any glassing through a spotting scope. It's just, it's inefficient. It's, it's super tedious. It's, I get eye fatigue because I'm looking through one eye. I do probably 90%. I would say you're, you're right there. I'm right there with you. 85, 90% through a pair of binos on a tripod. And then I'm only using a spotting scope to just verify an animal to see what it is. Right. Or if I find an animal and then I want to watch that animal to put it in a spot where I then am going to, you know, stalk that animal, I will leave the spotting scope on it and I'll yeah, just stay I, with I, it. But I would I say. Always use, I always use the term validation. Ahead. Like, you know, mm-hmm. is it is it the kind of buck I want to kill? Is it is it a legal buck? Is it a buck at all? You know, what I mean, what am I looking at? And, and I, I think it's just the validation of whatever you see through the binos. Um, yeah, in, are there pieces of ground or dirt or if I'm glass in a certain place that I look that's just ultra far away, absolutely do I pull my spotting scope out and, and give that a once over and look and make sure that there's not something. But generally speaking, I'm more focused on, you know, what's, you know, what's closer to me and what's within my, my range and field of view. And I mean, those are whole different discussions, but you know, that, that's the, uh, that's the idea is, is to, you know, is, is to use what's going to be effective around you so that you can make a, a decision and, and, and move on something, you know, within, within time. Yeah. Like I can tell you when people ask me, 
<laughs> should I spend my thousand dollars on a pair of binos? That's what I've got. Or should I wait and try to save more money? I typically tell them, you know, beg, steal, borrow, don't steal, but beg and borrow Yeah. <laughs> and, and buy the best piece of glass, like buy a top tier piece of glass because, you know, and this is just what I've told people. I've never spent better money in hunting than I have behind besides binoculars. I, 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 I think could it's not the agree best more. investment in hunting. I truly believe that it's the, it, the, the, the just having a tripod and and good glass i think is the most it, it, it i i just time and time again get reminded of of it changes people's outcomes mm-hmm. it just For does sure. and so i yeah. you know i'm always real careful because you know like, and, and not to like throw like oh here's a you know a sales pitch but like if you got a thousand bucks and you can and you're wanting a, a $2,000 pair, we have the affirm option and you can pay that off over. So there's a lot of different ways to get to that, you know, that, mm-hmm. that spot. And, and I think that's always a good thing to look at. Look at all your options and figure it out. Yeah. I've, I've never regretted, you know, whether, how, however I had to come up with the money to buy a top tier piece of glass, I've never regretted the decision. <laughs> Right. Even if I had to buy it on credit, because I I honestly believe that to my core. I do think that in hunting, beyond your permit and your weapon, glass is the very best investment. So I would say I'm with Cody. Get the very best piece of glass that you can afford. And if you can't afford it, maybe find a way to try well, to but, afford it. But here's another thing, too, is like, so I, I think naturally it's it's pretty common for guys that are going to come out west and hunt or whatever – I think it's pretty natural for guys to buddy hunt and, and come out like in groups or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and at least, you know, that's, I don't know, that's the feeling I get in the, the majority of the people I talk to. So, you know, I, I know guys that have split the spot, the, the cost of a spotting scope. Mm-hmm. I know guys that have, you know, like the, they all are already got their binos, but you know, I know guys that have that, you know, one guy will say, well, I'll, I'll get the spotting scope this year and then that'll give you a chance to get. So I, I've had guys like, you know, just really kind of pitch in with each other and try to, you know, kind of like spread the, you know, the, the, I, I don't know if this, the, the wealth of the optics that they have to, so that they can do more with it. Because I don't know. I mean, if, if you and I are hunting together trail, I don't know that it's necessary in certain situations that we both have, all the tripod, I mean, or all the, the spotting scopes out there. It, maybe it's not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good so, tip. Just it's something to yeah, think that's about. A great tip. Yeah. Let's talk uh, power or, you know, how much magnification, because I know I, I often get asked that. What, uh, what do you recommend for, you know, somebody that's, you know, maybe from the Midwest, the East coast, they want to come out, they want to hunt elk, mule deer, antelope. Uh, what's, what would you generally like? What is, what is like the do all or like the best fit in terms of uh, power and objective for a pair of binos that you think most well, people should I, have for I, Western big I game? I mean, the, the most common off the bat, right? I mean, that I get asked about daily, hourly is basically jumping from an eight power that they might be using back east, um, mm-hmm. you know, with a wide field of view and pretty bright, um, but the, they're, they're jumping to a 1042. So, um, and for just so we're going, I mean, we're going over gear, but 42 millimeter refers to the objective lens, which is the, the part of the tube that's away from your nose. 
and then the oculars, you know, which would be closest to you or, you know, touching your eyes, um, you know, that's, you know, that's the first part is you would have the, basically the, the 10, 10 by 42 means 10 times the normal, you know, sight that that your power magnification of your eyes. And then the 42 millimeter Mm -hmm. refers to, um, you know, basically it refers to, um, how much light it's, it's letting in, you know, to, to your eye. Um, and that, you know, that gets into like exit pupil and exit pupil. If you've ever looked at somebody trail and like, you know, you kind of have that side view and you can just see that band of light coming from the, the binocular and touching their eye. And if you, if you've never done it, look at it, have, you know, stand, you know, side by side with somebody and look into their eye and you can actually see the band of light. And what that's basically Mm -hmm. telling you is, is that when you divide 42 by 10, that band of light touching your eye is four two is four point two millimeters is wide. Okay. And so, the bigger the band of light touching your eye, the more light to your eye, which is brighter the image. Make sense? Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So whereas you know, um, uh, eight by forty two would have a five point two five millimeter exit mm-hmm. pupil, so that would be super bright, and a ten by thirty two would have a 3.2 millimeter. So you, you know, those are pretty extreme. You've got 20% above and, and, you know, basically, you know, the, the four, the, I've always thought of as 1042 or anything with a four millimeter exit pupil as kind of being like, try not to drop below that if we can possibly avoid it. Some things mm-hmm. it's necessary, but I, we, that's what we try to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what kind of situation would you jump somebody up to like a 10 by 50 or if, or a 15 by 56, something where you've, you've got more power and you've also got more, uh, light. So you've got, you've got that bigger, I, I would tell you, know, you more, more light with, capability. Yeah. 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 hundred percent without a doubt, 10 by fifties. Like I would tell somebody if they're just, if they're trying to maximize their, their low light conditions and what they can see mm-hmm. without, without lessening the, the, the magnification. I think that's, that's always an excellent, uh, piece of glass. Um, let's say somebody was, they told me that, Hey, look, Cody, um, I, I, I use these handheld a little bit, but I really want, you know, a 10 power cause I like the wider field of view and I, I like the, 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 the light gathering capability of it, but I'm going to use these on a tripod. I, I think a 10 by 50 is, is, Quite frankly, it's it's completely and highly uh, underrated. Most people just don't realize that that exit pupil coupled with that that magnification on a tripod can be incredibly effective. And it is there's a balance there between field of view and brightness and 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 what you're seeing and and um, it can just be you know can be really truly effective. Some of the best coos deer hunters that I know literally would go in the field with, with a set of 10 to fifties and a spotting scope and never feel undergunned. And, uh, they're, they're just using that field of view and that, the, that super bright image to identify and then put the spotting scope on them and, and, and identify them and validate them that way. So why don't more people use a 10 by 50 and why are more people using that 10 by 40? Okay. So the the contrast to it, 
is that when you go to a 10 by 50, now the, now the objective lenses are a lot bigger, physically bigger, mm-hmm. and the binoculars typically a lot bigger, you know, body. And so now you've got more, if you're using it as a chess class too, now you've got a bigger chess pack and because, you know, everything gets, you know, larger that way. So, um, that would be the reason that some people would not use it is that they, they don't want that trade-off of having a big, you know, fatter pair of binos on their mm-hmm. chest than, than a 1042. Gotcha. Who, who, I, uh, Trey, there's always the something scenario? to think what? about. And I tell people this every day there, there is no perfect. It's all about con- your, I don't care what you're doing in this game in this hunting, you're almost always compromising something. Mm-hmm. And it's just about compromising to the degree of what works for you. Like my scenarios, I help people with different scenarios every day, but I may not hunt that way, but I'm listening to what they're telling and I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm tweaking what's going to maximize the, the performance for them. Not necessarily what I do where I go hunting. Yeah. So I think that's really important sometimes to 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 illustrate because I think that's um, that you really do have to kind of tell people, you know, or or when you're when you're buying objects, like, hey, tell us what you're thinking. What? How do you hunt? Mm-hmm. And if you're not what, doing what do something hunt? that 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 we do, you know, we might give you some few ideas that maybe you think about something different. So right, yeah, yeah, I. I typically tell people, I, th- I think a 10 by 42 is kind of like the staple, you know, for, for me, it's always been my staple. It's like my everyday binocular, you know, in my, on my chest rig. And I would say, you know, I use that for 95% of the glassing right. that I'm, that I'm doing. Like I'm, whether it's mule deer, um, it's probably a little undergone, like you said, for coos deer in some situations, but I would say I've, I've glassed up a lot of coos deer and I've used a, a quality pair of 10 by 42s. And I think, I mean, I'm with you. I think that, uh, you know, every hunting situation is different. The species, the terrain, I mean, and you're going to have to let those situations guide your selection for optics. But I, I do really like those 10 by 42. Yeah. It's kind of been, always been my staple. Yeah. I mean, it, you, know? It, you know, I don't know, Trey, there's just always, you know, there's a lot of options out there and I just think people need to, mm-hmm. you know, I guess that's why I, I do what I do and I get so many phone calls a day and, you know, I'm just trying to help people decipher the info and 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 make mm-hmm. the best decisions they can. Yeah, who uh, who needs a who needs a pair of fifteen by fifty sixes in your opinion? Well, the fifteen fifty sixes are a workhorse for sure. Um, you know, the, basically for all intents and purposes, the the coos deer hunters, the guys that, you know, were in the Tucson area and the Jensen's and, you know, the, the guys from San Manuel and, and all that, that lore. And, and it, there is, there's a real, I, I don't know if it was the original spark, but I'm going to tell you that if you really want to trace back in coos deer hunting to where all that began, it, it, it began in Tucson and San Manuel and, and in places that were, that were, you know, kind of known for coos deer and, and really, you know, up mm-hmm. until, I don't know, eighties, uh, late eighties. I mean, you could get drawn for one tag and they still had plenty of leftover tags. You could go down and get a whitetail tag 
you know, and, and, and literally they'd have them over the counter. You could kill two deer. Mm-hmm. And I would just tell you like, man, late nineties, man, it just exploded and everybody wanted to be a, a coos deer hunter. And, and I, I think it's awesome, but that's where the 15 really took its, its shape. You had, um, mm-hmm. back in the day, if you, if you were glassing long range and you couldn't, you couldn't afford a 15 by 60 Zeiss, Mm-hmm. which were back in those days were $1,500. I mean, $1,500 in, in, in the late eighties or that was insane. Like I, I know people that would split them 500 bucks a piece and they would share them. That's how, that's how big they were. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, but they, they would tell you, uh, the 10 by 50 Bushnell customs were, were like, if you couldn't have the 15s, like this was the next best thing. And, um, mm-hmm. and then you had things develop like, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the creation, uh, Sarovsky had an eight by 56 SLC mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, they literally showed them here's what 1560s do, but Sarovsky doesn't have anything that does this. And, and they literally took him into the field and, and showed them and, for all intents mm-hmm. and purposes, basically embarrass them into like your glass. You, you can't see those deer. And gotcha. they, they came back, they switched those 15s. And then all of a sudden you had the, the, the East German, um, uh, uh, Dr. Optics in 1560s. And you had the, 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 um, uh, man, you just, you, you just had this onslaught of like this push for 15s and mounted on a tripod and, 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 and I know I'm not answering your question just yet, but it kind of, it kind of, it, it gets me excited because I, like I lived and I was, I was eating this up as, as I was, you know, I mean, I was in 1983, I was 13 in 93, I was 20, you know, um, I, I, I was 23 years old and, and just kind of jumping into all this and it was exciting. And, mm-hmm. um, that 15 became the workhorse and, and, you know, a 15 is, is really quite necessary for somebody that's, that's really glassing. I'm going to call it, I don't know, 12, 1500 yards and beyond. And it, okay. I, I just don't think trail that there's anything that, that really kind of does it as good as a 15 right now. I mean, we've mm-hmm. got big eyes and we've got all that stuff that, that's been going on for 20 plus years, you know, now too, you know, and the BTX and all that stuff, all that stuff kind of came later, but I mean, yeah, it's been an interesting climb, but the 15, I would tell you is, is a piece of glass that for somebody that's really wanting to glass big open country and look a long way, or, or maybe they're they're a thousand yards, but they want to look into every single shadow and every single little bush, and tear that mm-hmm. country apart because they're looking for a little hole in a tree, and all you can see is a little coos deer, you know, ring around the eye kind of a thing, or a muzzle, or mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's and quite honestly, that's the way it is, and. Yep. 15s are now used for every possible, you know, hunting type that you can possibly think of. Guys on mm-hmm. the strip are using them. 
guys, you know, I mean, I know it's in Utah. I, I mean, everybody's using them because they're looking at these distances that are just, you know, yeah. abnormally long and, and you can see things really, really well. Let me, let me hit you with something. So I was, I was in the Vegas office a few weeks ago and I was talking to Porter. He was getting ready to go on his uh, rifle. My man. And yeah. So he left yesterday, yep. I believe. Yep. He's got a late season, a late season rifle elk tag, and he was kind of running me through. Um, do you think an elk hunter needs a set of 15s? Well, I don't think he has to have a set of 15s, but there's places that I've hunted elk where you damn sure want to, you want one. <laughs> yeah. You know, Fair you're enough. sitting up in unit 10 and you're looking out into the abyss and, and, and all you're mm-hmm. looking for is the, the back tine of a, uh, you know, a fifth and, and sixth, you know, main beam point. You're just looking for one of those to, to tip. And, and those are at distances that are, that are crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's places gotcha. that you do want now. I'm not saying that where Porter's going, that that's the ultimate. I mean, do I think that elk are the most difficult animal in the world to see? No, I don't. Right. But I like to be able to see them from a really far distance away so that either we can, what I like to refer to as, as trail is, is I like to, I like to, I like to see them for tomorrow. So yeah. I like to see things at distances, and 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 I always figure that the farther I'm away, the the less I'm spooking them. Mm-hmm. So do, yeah. does a guy I, have I, to I have agree. a set of fifteens? No. Can they be useful in in certain places, times? And the only one that can know that is if you've pre scouted, you know, and you've done your homework, and you know where you're going, and you start using, you know go hunt maps and our measuring and you start figuring out, well, hell that, that, that face is 2000 yards away. I, I think at a certain point, I don't, I don't mind having a set of 15s. Gotcha. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you, but I also, st- I stand a little bit corrected because I told him, I said, you don't need 15s. I'm like, <laughs> you're looking for a, a yellow school bus on the side of a hill, bud. I'm like, you're going to be able to see those well, with a set of 10s. It, it, I mean, th- th- look, that's very true. And that, and I guess that just, just proves the point trail. It's, it's, it's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. If you've yep. done your homework and you, you either hunted there before, or you know, guys that have, or you've done all your e-scouting and, and you can literally from your glassing waypoint and you can hit different, you know, um, um, targets. Mm-hmm. And you know that those targets are super long range. You've, you've got choices. Do you use a spot like a small pair of binos and a spotter, or mm-hmm. do you do you do you just take the you know like a small pair of binos and, and, a, and a set of fifteens? Because mm-hmm. what about the guy that you know that doesn't like? To, I don't know. There, there's people that can't look through spotters because they they get eye twitches and facial fatigue so fast that it's uncomfortable and they they literally ends up being a a, a legitimate paperweight in the back of their you know in their backpack. So maybe a set of 15s makes that guy better just because yeah. he can look comfortably for long periods of time. Right. So. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I, I think there's, again, what, um, I, I, I'm, I'm almost to the point in my life where I've, I've started to think really as um, optics are becoming like my golf bag. You know, I've got <laughs> drivers and, 
three woods and, mm-hmm. you know, I've got pitching wedges. I, I got everything to do the jobs that I need to do. And I just think that some of these optics, you know, are, are I'm getting that way. Like there's just certain things that I don't think I'll ever get rid of. I'll always have those mm-hmm. for a certain, certain kind of hunting that I do. Yeah. But yeah, I love a I love a fif, I love a fifteen. I I had a pair of SLC fifteens, and I think I've told this before, but I sold them to uh, buy a plane ticket to Alaska so I could go up there and go hunting. And there's been so many situations since I did that where I wished I had those fifteens. And it's mostly for you know, like you're saying, it's mostly like open open country deer. You know, I'm, whether it's coos deer or you know mule deer. Uh, I know this year on my, my deer hunt, I had an archery deer tag in a unit here and there were many times when I was up there and I was thinking, man, I wished I had my 15s, you know, I wished I had 15s. Um, I think they're great for antelope hunting. And then, you know, like you're saying, I, I, I kind of dug Porter a little bit and, you know, gave him jabs. I was like, you don't need a pair of 15s for those. Um, you know, and, and you, you may not given the type of hunt that you're doing. I know that the hunt he's going on is a backpack style hunt where weight is a, a premium. Well, and so, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not the best fit, and but trail, for, that's where know, hunts where, well, and I'm sorry if I'm interrupting him, I apologize, no, you're good. But, but that's why, that's why glasses like the 1242 and peers have just skyrocketed in terms of demand mm-hmm. well, because those serve purposes. They allowed a guy to have mm-hmm. a, a, a literally a 10 power sized binocular, but they're giving him 12 power, but he's got a field of view. That's no different than the tens he's always looked through. Well, you know, you tell a guy like that, that's shaving every ounce off of what he can, that now he doesn't have to carry a, a, a you know, a 15 that weighs 43 ounces. Well, I mean, that's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Yeah. So I Absolutely. think that there's, I mean, look, do I think that, again, do I think that elk are always the most difficult thing to see? No, I don't. But <laughs> pretty, pretty and, and, and I think if a guy, you know, that's why the 12 by 50s have gotten so popular. If you're a mule deer mm-hmm. hunter or just a, a general, you know, like do whatever kind of guy and you like the right in the middle, you know, kind of theory or process, a 1250, 1242, something that is lightweight, but yet, you know, you have a little bit extra magnification and, and somewhat of a wider field of view. You know, I, I think that those, that that's why those things are so popular. Mm-hmm. Is it, 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 again, it just gives somebody another option, you know, to really be able to, to, to hone in and, and save weight or save, you know, not just weight, but how about the footprint in their pack? You yeah. know, I mean, a 15 is a pretty good footprint. So, yep. you know, I, 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 I just, I'll, I'll never forget. I, w- I was talking to a guide um, from Alaska and, um, you know, we were talking about optics and we got him situated and, and, and we, we, we got his tripod right. And everything that we changed for him, he equated it to how much, how much more food he could carry. He didn't, it was, it was almost like the weight didn't matter, but the space in his pack, mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, that's another pro pack or that's another, you know, I mean, he, in his yeah. mind, he was like, Oh, I can shove two more mountain houses in there or what, you know, whatever peak refuel, whatever he was using at the time, he, mm-hmm. he equated it into how much more food he could take. Yeah. I, you know, which is mo- more days, more days in the field, more days in the field. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I get, I get that. Um, I wanted to ask you 
uh, I get this question quite a bit. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, spending money on good glass and we talk about good glass, but I think typically when people talk good glass, like what is good glass? We're, we're typically talking like, you know, maybe the big three, like Suaro, uh, Leica, um, you know, maybe Zeiss, yep, right. Yep, yep. Um, and, and I have people, I've had people tell me, you know, they'll, they'll have a, you know, a pair of binoculars from, you know, brand X, Y, Z. And a lot of the times they'll say, I don't know, you know, what you're paying that extra money for to get into a pair of Swarovskis or a pair of Leicas. Uh, a lot of people, I think that you're, you're paying for the brand name. So in your opinion, like what, what are you getting by paying that extra? So on a very test ask kind of level, right? Mm-hmm. So on a very matter of fact, I can show you and take glass and we can go do a, 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 an Air Force resolution chart and I can tell you and show you which ones perform deeper into the chart than others. What, that, what's an Air Force well, resolution chart, Cody? It's like an eye chart, <laughs> right? It, but it's, okay. it's, you know how there's the different lines that go you know, they're Mm -hmm. staggered. Well, when you're doing that and you're looking into the lines, the, the deeper you go, the smaller they get. Mm -hmm. And so you're at a certain point, you'll lose where you can't, you can't differ between the lines anymore. And the best glass in the world just does that better. And so what that equates to in the field is, is you keeping your eyes more focused for longer periods of time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's, that's really what we're yeah. talking about is eye fatigue. And so the, mm-hmm. the, a couple things need to be said here. Number one, I, 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 I'm, I'm not always the best guy to tell a guy just exactly how to spend his money. I, sure. I can't get inside his mind and say, you know, I don't know, like, is your wife going to divorce you because you just bought $3,000 worth of optics? Because, by the way, you can't project your values onto somebody. That is the number one thing that I get told on a daily basis. You know what? Let me (laughs) check with my wife. I'll call you back tomorrow. That is the number one thing I get told, which is fine. Mm. Hey, look, I'm a partner. My wife, hey, we're we're on the same page. I, Mm -hmm. I would never spend that kind of money without at least letting her know. Okay? Sure. So I get it. But my point being is, is it's very hard for me just to tell a guy, oh, you can or you can or whatever. But mm-hmm. what I want to dispel is, is that there's kind of this stigma out there that means that if I spend double the money, I'm going to get double the performance. Mm. And I don't, that's not true. Because glasses like the Vortex UHD and, you know, you've got like the new, um, uh, uh, the Zulu 10s and, and, and. You've mm-hmm. got all this glass that's been projected into the market and, and what I what we used to refer to as tier two glass. Mm-hmm. All those guys are pushing on the ceiling, right? They're always their 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 ways are getting better, their manufacturing's getting better, they're 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 getting more and more out of this glass, right? Mm-hmm. So with that being said, the, the if you go spend two thousand as opposed to three thousand like you're not just getting, you know, 33% more 
I don't know. You you may start carving up fifteen percent or ten percent, or you know maybe you're only carving up five percent. Yeah. But I think the important things are is is that you know what you're looking at when you look through both of them. Mm-hmm. You know that the edge to edge is is good, or you know some glasses invertly they come back and they they build things to be perfect in the sweet spot, right? Hmm. But they're not thinking of glassers glassing on a tripod and we're letting our eyes walk and dance around the outside edges. This is a true story, mm-hmm. by the way. They they don't they don't think about that. Because yeah. if you're birding and you're watching something in flight or you're watching something moving around, your eyes naturally go to the center of the of the of the of the view, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there are manufacturers that they build to be that 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 heart, if you will. They build that to be the most effective. And yeah. and they may not be as concerned about the edge to edge as other manufacturers may be. So there's there's so many little things. Does it focus better? Are the gearing in the, mm-hmm. the does it d- d- does the diopter setting it, is it easier for you to control that and lock it in at a certain point? So you've got focusing, you've got all of these things that happen. And the coatings and the, um, um, the the filtering of light that happens when you're maybe looking into the sun a little bit. And, and I know, Trail, you know what this is like, but there are some glasses that if you look at into the sun a little bit, you might as well have just turned around and gone home because you can't see what you're trying to look at. And then other yeah. glasses you put in there, you're like, oh, I can see a deer standing right there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, um, I, I don't know that you get a, you know, 50% more glass out of, you know, 50% more price. You don't. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know if this is a fair word for me to say. I'm a total optics snob. I, I know it. <laughs> I, I've always been. I've always been in search of, give me, I want the best glass you can give me. I want mm-hmm. whatever advantage I can with me sitting behind that glass, I want as much as I can have, you know, to, to do that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I'm with you. So, you know, and you can tell I get fired up about it, but that's the thing is trail is that, that, um, you know, it's why I go back to the, buy the bus class you can afford. And I, I, I think that's why it's so important for guys necessarily not to listen to what I've got in my bag and my golf bag or your golf bag, mm-hmm. but what did they see when they, when they went to another place and they were, you know, they went down to the go hunt showroom and they, they got Paul to get them a couple pair of different glasses and they took them outside at dusk. And Paul was able to show them the difference of, of what an EL looks like versus another, another piece of glass or a, or an SFL or a, or a UHD. What, Mm-hmm. there's nothing more valuable than that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. You said a couple things that I really liked there and I, and this is good advice and it's advice. I, I try to, I try to pass it on as to you. I, I can't, I can't project my values onto somebody else. So when somebody asks me, you know, should I spend $3,000 on a pair of binoculars? Are they that much better than a pair that's a thousand dollars? And that's, I'm with you. It's, it's kind of an impossible question for me to answer for somebody else. I typically tell people for me, it is because 
this is what I value. Like this is what I love to do. I spend a ton of time behind my binoculars. I also know that if I spend $3,000 or whatever it is on the best pair of binoculars or spotting scope that I can buy, I know that I'm going to have that for 30 years. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have it forever. I'm going to pass yeah. it down to my kids. You know, they're going to use it. I feel like it's a really solid investment. And again, like that's my value. My value is this lifestyle. So outdoors, hunting, you know, I spend a ton of time behind them. So for me, it does make sense. For somebody else, you know, maybe you don't spend as much time in the woods. Maybe it's not that important to you. You can still get really good glass and I'm with you. I don't think that, you know, price, that 50% increase is means that there's they're 50% better. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think the increments are small. Once you get to that good glass, you get to that thousand dollar mark, you, you know, you go up to those next, um, you know, price ranges. I don't think the, the change, the benefit is so vast like it used to be. I think it's, oh, the, it's definitely those, gotten those gaps to be a of narrower window. 100%. Those gaps have completely changed. Mm-hmm. Completely yeah, changed. I, I agree. Yeah, but it it is hard for me to to tell somebody what they should spend. I would say, spend as spend as much as you can, and and then think about your values and what you're trying to do with it. You know, well, what about the I, I, you can dev. What about trail? What about the intangibles? What about the what? What about the things that that like? I, I think that there's. I, I try not to. Like some people would tell you, oh, I bought this and it, I just magically, you know, saw mm-hmm. things, and I'm like, look. At a certain level, I could have X brand and you could have X brand, and with, within reason, let's just say that they're the same power and you know magnification and everything. Mm-hmm. I have enough confidence in myself. You're not going to outglass me. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and, and I don't care yeah. what you say or how anybody mm-hmm. says it. When I when my feet hit the dirt from the truck. And we've hiked into our glassing spot, or we're glassing right from there. I don't care what you say; it's on, brother. <laughs> and I'm gonna glass, and I'm gonna be working at it. And yeah, I, I have found game with tier two glass. I've found game with the most expensive glass. I've found game with with glass that you know I, I can find glass. I'm I know I can be mm-hmm. successful. But yeah. I just think it comes I, I, down that's to a great point. And what, I, don't, I don't think people talk about, they don't talk about that a lot. I think a lot of people think you just buy the best glass and things appear. It's not magic. It's, it's like, but yeah, you still it's like having have, the best bow you, or you still got to apply technique and you still mm-hmm. got to have timing. And, and I, and yeah. flat out, I just know guys that are luckier than others. Sure. And some guys are, some guys I've glassed with, I, I, I'd be the first one to say, man, that, that, that was impressive. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I've told this story before, but this is a story worth telling. We were helping on a hunt once, and um, we were glassing this giant face with canyons. And, I mean, it was big country. I mean, it was, like, it wasn't just um, 15 country. It was, like, we were all using, like, either koas or... Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget this because, and it wasn't, I mean, there's always a competition, but I was sitting probably maybe three quarters of a mile closer to an animal 
than Jay Scott was. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I mean, I had been tearing this face up. I mean, it was, I mean, it is, it, it is one of the most awesome faces that you could ever imagine trail. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's got everything. I mean, it's got open, it's got, you know, it's got oak, it's got, I mean, it's got everything. Mm-hmm. And I had just spent like an hour just combing every little last thing. And I just swung, you know, I, I just kind of started a new, you know, path. And I, and I mm-hmm. hear Jay come over the radio and he goes, hey, on that high ridge up there by the Red Rock, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, did you see that buck? And I'm like, what buck? And, and <laughs> yeah. he's like, and all he said was, and I, and I swung my binos over. I knew right where he was talking about because mm-hmm. inevitably we, we there, I mean, we kind of figured that this buck might come out into this, this scree. Mm-hmm. And I, I swung him over and I looked and I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of missed that one. And he goes, and, and, and all he said was, kind of like being outfished from the back of the boat. And I just, it, I mean, you know, there's four or five of us that are, that are sitting there doing this. And this is, you know, I don't know, this is almost 20 years ago, but I've never, I, I I've never been so like, like did, did I just get completely blown out of the water by somebody that's three quarters of a mile behind me? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So that competition, that camaraderie, that, mm-hmm. um, that pushes and that keeps you, to me, it keeps me focused. And, um, yeah. I like that trail. I like when I'm sitting to the guy next to me and he finds a deer and I always kind of, I love the first deer of the morning because I always feel mm-hmm. like it, it, um, kind of like gets me like, I can look at it. I can see the color. I can, I'm like, okay, it just kind of, it just kind of warms me up and it's like, okay, I can, you know, I, I can see what we're looking sure. for right now. And, and, uh, yeah. it, I, I think that's awesome to go through those kind of experiences and, and have that camaraderie and that fun. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's all fun yeah, and games push, at the end of it, you. but, but you push each other and, and you, you, mm-hmm. when you're looking for a needle in a haystack, sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah. Oh. So you, what, as you were talking, it makes me a couple of things actually, but one, one of them, um, the intangible, which you said you can have the best glass in the world. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a great glasser, right? It's the same, same scenario. If you, you know, you can have the best bow, the best rifle on the planet, but you have, if you're not used to using it and you, you just don't have good technique, uh, you're not going to shoot it as well as somebody that does. So to that regard, what, what is your process for glassing? So let's say that you, you know, you, you've got a, a mule deer tag and you're hunting, you know, kind of a mixed bag. You've got some oak, some pine, some open, a lot of edge habitat. You step out to your glassing point. Like, what is your process? You know, trail that. Well, first of all, it always depends on what I'm looking at, right? So, and mm-hmm. and, and I think the first thing, um, I, I, I'll give you a scenario just to, uh, because I, I've tried to use this in seminars before. But let's just say you've stepped into your, you know, it's game on, you're, you're, both you and your buddy are um, are stepping out, and what I've always kind of thought is is that first and foremost, what I like to do is I like to hit the escape routes, mm-hmm. and 
that can be you know you know as well as I do that if you're looking at a timber line that's as deep as what you're looking at, the whole thing is is an escape route. But I, I would just say that I'm always looking at the escape routes first. Mm-hmm. And you know those saddles that you know deer can get up and go through, or you know just just excuse me those places where where you just you're just not going to be able to see them if if they move into those. So are, that's are first you doing and foremost. That before, What's that? Are you doing that before you even? Are you doing that before you even set down? Like are you um, get, like well, when yeah, you that, walk up to a glassing? Well, point, that, that's exactly down? what I mean. Is like so as as my buddy is setting up and getting his tripod all set and ready to go, I'm taking the handhelds and, and I'm hitting the, like, like, uh, the deary spots, you know, the spots that you just look at and go, Oh God, that's awesome. And, you know, I'm hitting mm-hmm. those, those escape routes and I'm hitting the places that just look obvious to me. And, gotcha. and then once he's, once he's settled and I know he's in the glass and he's looking at all those places I sit down and, and get, you know, and get myself situated. And, you know, generally speaking, we're, 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 we're crawling off the edges. We're getting off the tops. We're getting, you know, at least down in now. And again, this all depends on where you're at and where you're glassing. But mm-hmm. I try not to stand when I can, I, I, I don't like standing. If I can avoid it, I don't stand. I try not to move around on the edge tops a lot because I, I'm just, you take those old school principles and you can still apply it when you're glassing from a long distance. I just try to get off the edges, get down to where I can sit down, get a good base. And, and by the way, the, the higher you are from the ground, the more exponentially the, 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 the effects of movement are, you know, mm-hmm. at the binocular. So I'm always trying to minimize movement. Are you glassing? So you sit down, You've covered your escape routes while your buddy's getting set up. Yep. You've covered that. You sit down. You've got your your binos on a on a tripod. You're comfortable. Are you starting at that point at the close stuff, or are you starting at the far stuff? Or are you well, starting at the left? If, or are you if starting we're at the sitting right? there at at first light in that twilight, what I when what I refer to as twilight, like mm-hmm. right when you first your glasses can see what's right in front of you. Yes, I'm glassing the closest things to me that I can make discernibly make, you know, bodies out. Mm-hmm. And I will start glassing the close stuff first. As time starts to wear on and we're all settled and we're in our spots and, and we're, we're, we're tripoded up, I will start to focus on what, you know, generally speaking, I've been in a place enough to know, I kind of know where the sun's going to touch the mountain first. Mm-hmm. And then I will start letting that sun as it starts coming back and forth, you know, and dropping and, and, and uh, you know, taking the shades off, if you will. I'll follow mm-hmm. that line of sun hitting the mountain. And I don't think it's talked about enough. I don't think people do it enough. The amount of deer that I see doing that, you know, on a, on a decent cold morning those deer sometimes just stand up and they just want to take that first bit of sunlight in. And like, I mean, I've seen a buck stand there for two hours doing that. Never move. All they want to do is stand up and and let the sun hit him. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I just always use the mountain, let that sun peel the shade, you know, down. And, and as you're, Mm -hmm. as you're, you're peeling it down. And once you've got a good feeling that, you know, that, that that morning sun hasn't, you know, shown anything, 
Um, and by the way, when 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 deer get hurt, hit by that sunlight first thing in the morning, they shine like fireflies. Yeah, they, they stand they out really like pop. sore thumbs. Mm-hmm. So why not use that to your advantage? Yeah, are you are you glass are you a glasser? Do you glass left to right, right to left? Um, do you start? Do you go well, up and down? After after the the free glassing, right? You know the scape roots and mm-hmm. the, and the deery spots and yep. the the maybe the spot that I know that there's a buck that lives there or whatever. After I've exhausted those, then I get into the more methodical glassing and. I would tell you that, um, generally speaking, I, I let, I all, first of all, I always let the terrain dictate what I'm doing, but I would generally tell you that I glass, like I read a book. Okay. Um, maybe have it just the way I do, but for instance, though, like that place I was talking about with Jay, that, that is a huge ridge. I mean, it's gigantic. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be going back and forth and, you know, and, and peeling that mountain down anyway. Mm-hmm. But there's also some elements of it where all of a sudden I've got this slope coming in from the right and it's got timber in it. Well, mm-hmm. when I switch from that longer stuff and go to the timber, now my, my, my glassing starts going vertical. I'm, yeah. I'm closer. And because of the pines and the way they're set up, I, you know, I mean, they're, they're kind of staggered, right? So I let that, that vertical and I, I might start in the very bottom and go up and down like that. And I walk myself Mm -hmm. up that, that pitch. Um, it very much depends on what the terrain looks like. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I, like I will stair step, you know, if I'm, if I'm watching Mm -hmm. a ridge that, you know, that's, that's steep. I might go out, down, out, down. It, it again. It just depends on what the terrain looks like and what I'm looking at. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think there's. I think as long as somebody at a certain point is hitting the things that we're talking about, and they've exhausted the the free glassing, I, I think at a certain point you have to slow down and be a little more methodical. Mm-hmm. So how, how it, long will you how long will you spend at a glassing point, Cody? Um, well, that would depend on on my knowledge of the area. That would mm-hmm. depend on maybe pre scouting. That would depend on, but let's just say that I know that you know. Let's go. Let's say I've gone in there and I've seen you know half a dozen does or you know maybe nine or ten does or something like that, and I know that mm-hmm. it's I know that we're getting towards the the rut and I and I, well, if I found the does, I'm not leaving the does. The mm-hmm. buck will come. The, the, the If you watch sometimes, you watch a path of a doe that she's walked and now she's bedded up. I constantly, I'll be glassing in a grid and think, oh, I'm going to go back and I'm going to check that doe's path where she went. I can't tell you how many times I found a buck on the backtrack. Gotcha. Let's. Just for just for fun, let's say that you've never been to the area. You're you're there on an October rifle hunt. You've never been to it. You've only e scouted it, and you found this spot. But you found a good glassing point. How long do you give it, in your opinion? You know, I, I think sometimes, I, primarily, I, I kind of do that. Um, 
you know, maybe maybe go to ten o'clock in the morning. I, I, and I'm, I'm I'm spitballing here a little bit. Ten o'clock in the morning, sure. make a move, get to a new spot, and then and then really watch hard because of that warmer weather. You know that ten to two time because I think a lot of times those bucks will get up and move in the shade or get new shade or so maybe they'll go get water. Um, you know if water's available, but I, I think you've got to be really um, just pretty. Uh, you know you got to have a kind of a game plan, mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I would tell you that I generally speaking that's what I do. Moon phase would cause me a little bit of change too. You know if it, it's a full moon. Um, I may not be as hard pressed to, you know, the, the morning and the night are good, but I may be really focused on a place between, you know, 10 and two in the day because, you know, I know that there's water. I know that there's, you know, generally they'll get up and move or, you know, depending on the shade or whatever I'm watching. But yeah, Yeah. I mean, it just, it just kind of depends on what we're doing, where we're at, where we're hunting, where the cover is where the shade is yeah. moon that's people that's good stuff there yeah Do you know what i mean there's, a, I there's mean, a lot of little tit there's a lot of tidbits in what you've said that are super helpful well it's um i mean i've learned so much from so many different people and i'd like to tell you that mm-hmm. sometimes things become instinctual because you've done it so much mm-hmm. and there is a little bit of that there's things you know there's things that we do that if somebody that really hadn't been with us um they're asking a question and you're like oh god you know okay well let me stop okay this is why i did that right here and mm-hmm. so i i think you you know if you're if you're teaching people you got to slow down a little bit and and tell them why you're moving in certain places or, or or glass in certain times and and i hope you're communicating that you know to them anyway but um for sure yeah there's lots of little tidbits yeah, like good. that trail that that I mean, I've learned so much from so many different people that um, you just have to try different things and 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 be willing mm-hmm. to make mistakes. Yeah. Be willing to, to to come back to camp and and be the guy that's like, oh, I didn't see nothing today. I you know mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. You know. Yeah. Yeah, t- time time's a big one. I, I I there's so many tidbits and just what you said. I mean, you talked you talked maybe there for five or six minutes, and I don't know that you explicitly said, you know, the, the exact tips and tricks. But there's so much in what you did say that if you listen to that again, if you're listening to this, go back and listen to it because there's a lot of things that Cody said right there within that five or six minute section that are just golden nuggets that can absolutely help you. Um, I'll, I'll let people go back and listen to that, but time is a big one. I love the fact that you said, you know, on a full moon, you know, maybe midday is a great time to stay in the field and glass. You know, I, I think midday is a great time. I'm with you. There's so many times that I've picked up deer or elk that have got up, you know, from maybe that 11 to two o'clock time right. frame and rebedded or gone to water. And I think a lot of people just give up for the day. They go back to camp, they take a nap or they stay out in the field, take a nap. There's, there's, a lot to be said for staying in it, staying on the glass. And I, I definitely agree with you there. I think time is well, one of the biggest differences between people that are successful and, you know, and those that aren't. I, I think another valuable thing to say trail is that I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cognizant. At least I try to be, I mean, I know I've made mistakes in my life, but and certainly in the hunting world. And I try to be cognizant of other things going on around me. Mm-hmm. 
but sometimes when you're, you're, if you're at least experienced in an area, like sometimes I like to be quiet and just let things happen because you might have, Mm -hmm. you know, pressure from another area or, you know, maybe there's hunters on another ridge that you can see, like let those, you know, I mean, I, I'm hoping that, like, when I'm saying this, like, <laughs> I always think, oh, they're thinking just like me. But then you watch a guy walk right through stuff, and you're like, why did you just do that? Yeah. Like, that's the right. – like, you just blew right through the best thing that's over there. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, you just – like, I'm always thinking that when I'm glassing from a distance and I'm I'm, I'm not, quote, unquote, penetrating their bedding areas or whatever, I'm I'm – I'm just able to watch them in their surroundings and kind of learn what they're doing. And then I'm able to go make smart decisions on a stock. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. guys are so anxious just to get out there and blow through country mm-hmm. that I don't think sometimes they're given much thought to what they're, what they're, they're moving that they don't even know that they're moving, you yeah. know, whether it's their wind or whether it's the noise or rather, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, I, I just, I, I would rather spend time glassing and be methodical and and not bump something or screw something up because I can come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If I've got hunting time, I would rather look at something and go, "All right, that buck's not moving. He's not. He's not pressured. He's got nothing going on around him. He's he's got everything he needs right there." And and, and all the hunters have stayed completely away. I can come back tomorrow and put myself in a position to go kill that deer. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if, if we're just out blowing around and going up the ridge and whatever, I mean, I, I think you're just making it sometimes more difficult on yourself. Yeah. I just, I talked to my brother yesterday. My brother called from Idaho. He's relatively new to hunting and he called to ask me some questions about how to manage wind, like how to, you know, plan a stock based on wind. And as we started talking, we kind of went through the whole thing. And, you know, I told him, you know, don't, don't worry so much about the wind, find the animal first, then worry about the wind. So find, find the animal, get get the vantage points, put your glass to work, find the animal, then figure out the wind and the approach. But, but you'd sooner hold, you'd sooner probably, you know, hold back the tide or, or, you know, whatever, than tame Mm -hmm. the mountains, right? That kind of a thing. Sure. And, and that, that statement is, is so true. It's like, you, you can't, you can't control the wind. So you got to react to it. Yeah. So take in all the other information first, you know, let yep. the wind tell you what it's doing and then react to it. I, yeah, I don't know. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, I'm going to switch topics on you a little bit yeah. here, but I wanted to ask you, um, this is maybe a two-part question. So we had the guys from Six Hour in last yes, week. Sir. We had them on the podcast. Yeah, so, well, I can't. Um, I have the, not. The, I don't know when that's going out, but I have not heard it yet, and I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we talked about their new Zulu 6, which are the image stabiliza- uh-huh. you know, stabilization binoculars, the built-in technology. Um, I wanted to ask you kind of a two-part question, one being um, – you know, what are your thoughts on that technology and, you know, that, that set of glass uh, as far as like use case scenario, just kind of your general opinion on it. And then two, do you think that's where we're headed in optics? Well, I, I, you know where what, we let me answer the second one first. Okay. What I'm excited about that is, is that we're having the conversation because 
I think that, you know, I mean, I've used several, on several occasions, I've used 20 to 60 stabilized Zeiss. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there's absolutely a, a need and a calling for it. Um, I think the fact that it's electronic and it's it's more, you know, like the the older versions. Well, it, it kind of goes back to the old stabilized from Zeiss, but then you have the Canons, and those were kind of the predecessors. And if you really look at them, they really haven't changed much between them. I mean, they still have to have a, a fairly big body, and then they've got almost like Poro Prism esque you know, eyepieces and there, there's some intricacies there that are, are still very similar and the same, but, um, look trail. There's again, I don't ever get so needled into one thing that I would never not look at something new. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I mean by saying that is, is that I'm super, super happy. We're having this conversation because mm-hmm. I think that any time that we can start pushing the edge and start making things better and in my in what what my biggest thing that I take away from it is how do I glass longer and more effectively mm-hmm. and so um, I think the image stabilizing is um, I, I think it's there, there's a lot there's a there's a path for it I think that there's uses for it. I think it belongs in my golf bag. You know, I mean, I, I'm like, I'm excited because I'm going to tell you right now, I want a pair of 1642s. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to give you my opinion, like what I want to use them for. There are a lot of times that when I'm scouting and when I'm looking, I've got X amount of time in a day. And I may be going from one spot to go to another spot to go to a bigger spot to glass or, or what, whatever that case is, okay? Mm-hmm. I, there are places that I want to stop. I want to get my tripod out and put a set of 15s or a BTX on there and look at something that's, that's a mile away mm-hmm. that I normally have to take all that stuff out of my truck and get it all set up and then spend time looking at it where you're telling me that I can pull up, switch the button on, take a 16 by 42 with a stabilized image. And I can look up on a hillside and look at something at a ridiculous distance and know whether I want to stay in play or load and go and get out of there and go look at another spot. You betcha. I want a pair of 16 by 42s and I want to use it for, for what I want to use it for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there's so many things that are out there where people will get used for this. I've spoken to people about um, basically just that are, that are never going to carry a tripod mm-hmm. and they want to be able to hold their binos and have the best image that they can be at, at you know, whatever they think. Um, I think that there's some, some debate that can happen as to the 1042s, the, um, the 12 by 42s, you know, the field of views are, are significantly uh, smaller than other optics, Mm -hmm. but at a 1042 and you're walking, 
maybe that's not as important. You know, sure. I'm not you maybe I'm, you know, I'm, not, more. I'm not looking at, at, at this expanse. I'm looking at this expanse. So maybe maybe mm-hmm. that's okay. So I think there's a lot of things that we have to do with these new binoculars. And I'm right now trying to understand to myself so that I can best ask every or answer everybody else's questions that pose like, well, well, you know, what do I do? And I, I'm just not the guy that's going to just throw all my other stuff out the window and dive right into those because that's the, the newest, latest and greatest. What I'm going to do is, is I'm going to figure out what works for me and how it's going to, um, how it's going to accentuate what I'm already doing. Yeah. And, yeah, and use case. It took me, I, and to be perfectly honest, it took me a little while. When I first heard about him, I was like, eh, you know, like, you know, whatever. And, you know, and then Brady told me, and then, you know, he's like, Cody, you really need to look at these. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm putting, I'm, I've had those memories from what I was looking at, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, ah, you know, okay, well, you know what? Well, maybe it's gotten better. And it has. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in my sure. mind, and 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 so, um, I've had people call that had, um, have early onset Parkinson's disease. That have they, they have tremors. Well, what am I going to say to a guy that needs help like that? Yeah, that that might change that guy's entire world around. And mm-hmm. I'm here to help that person. So, you know, I think that there's a there's so many good things that come from these these conversations and these newer products, but I'm just super happy that we're having the conversation. Um, I love the 16 to 42s. That's kind of like what I think is like my, my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. 20 seems awfully big to me, but mm-hmm. I, you know what? Somebody's got to be looking at something that far away. You All know, right. I've had cops you, call you... me about, about using them on, mm on um uh on stakeouts you know for 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 just overwatches or whatever they're doing there i mean i just think that there's so many things that we're you know we've got to figure out you know how they fit into the to the mold of what what we do on a daily basis um you know i I don't know does it mean that i'm just going to change my whole system around right now um no but it's it's going to accentuate my system I, i guarantee that sure do you, uh, in any other kind of indication, just like your, your gut on what, what do you think, where, where is the optics industry going as far as like new, new tech, anything new, anything um, new from, you know, the big, big companies like us, Yeah. I, I think you know, Vortex, I think what's happening is, is that you're going to, I think we're just barely at the tip of the iceberg trail on rangefinders and mapping and, and all of that stuff. And, and with that, I've really found it interesting that, you know, now you have game and fish departments that are, are like, Oh, well we can't use this muzzle loader. You can't like, we have all this stuff going on that it, it is trying to limit our technology. And, and I, I mean, look, some of it, I, I think, you know, is warranted, but like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get a little like, well, I mean, are we going to keep chopping away at, you know, what we got or I don't know. I mean, some things mm-hmm. I think are, I don't know. I mean, you, you look at range finders now, you can take a range and it can put it on a map and yep. you could, you can 
you know, range another hill and it will tell you how far it is to shoot from that other hill. But then you can plot a course on your map and go under canopy and, and never have to see the animal again until you get to where you're, where you're, where you range to. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta be honest with you. That's pretty, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Pretty incredible. There might be somebody out there that thinks that that's a little too far. I'm not one of them, but I mean, sure. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think range finders, I think somebody not having a range finder is the worst possible thing that you could have in any of hunting, in my opinion, for them not <laughs> yeah. to have one. Yeah. Like no, I agree. Range, range finder. Are pretty yeah, I, I think it should be yeah. mandatory. If you're going to fire on an animal, you should know what your gun or your, whatever you're shooting, you should know what that yardage is. Because I think it just it's essential mm-hmm. to to harvesting game as quickly and as cleanly as possible. Now, yeah. everybody wants to argue about distances and far and short. I, I'm not interested in having that. I think I think if a guy's qualified and he's practiced and he knows his due diligence and he has the discipline to do right, then I think that he he should do those things. And I'm not. There's people that are far more talented in that stuff than I am. I know what I feel comfortable doing, but that's my discipline. That's where I hold myself to. Yeah. So could yeah. could I? Well, it's it's in, it's interesting. It optics is funny for me because it's like one of those things you look at it and you think, man, the the changes just it's going to be slow, you know, snails pace. There really aren't that many advancements that can be made over what, what exists, but there's, man, they're always coming with new stuff. I'm all, I'm continually surprised. Well, I mean, when the, when the pier came out, I mean, the pier yeah. from Suaro, you're like, okay, this is a, you know, a 10 by 42, a 12 by 42, but it's lighter, it's brighter, field of views bigger. I'm just like, okay, yeah, we're, we're still, we still got to wait. We still got things we can do. But trail. I think the thing is that, that like, look, I'm not interested in, how do I say this? I, I, I'm not interested in some something mechanically or mm-hmm. computerized helping me see something. Sure. I want my own eyes to still be able to do, to be. I'm the predator. Mm-hmm. I still yeah. want to use my eyes to see what I'm seeing. Yeah. So I don't want any help there. Yeah. I I, I do want rangefinders. I do yeah. want my mapping capabilities. I, I, I mean, there are certain things that I just think are like, this is what I want. And, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I think there's a lot coming and I think that, Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I think the next three to five years, again, I said that five years ago, but I, again, I I think that we're going to keep like pushing the technology side of things. And I, um, I, I always get excited about that. I mean, can you imagine yeah. having an NL peer or something that, that was, you know, image stabilized? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that would be incredible. Yeah. Or, it would you be know, incredible. Or, or, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm excited because, I don't know, I just, like, I, I think SIG did a good thing with that. Mm-hmm. I think that I they, they, they looked at the market. They, they, they saw what really wasn't going on just yet. And I'll tell you the biggest thing that I'm most – I'm. The one that I'm more excited about than anything is the the the, the fact that they they've just dabbled into the the the, the rangefinder the kilo uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the 4K that yep. that has 
that has image stabilizing properties mm-hmm. to it, right? Yeah. Hey, buddy, mm-hmm. that just tells me like, man, I'm excited because I maybe we're going to get a handheld that's got some image. I mean, I mean, I think that's cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. I I definitely applaud what they've done. I think they've done an awesome job. I mean, jumping in, it's like you're saying they recognized a neat, you know, a niche, a niche. I guess yeah, you could say. Yeah, yeah. That they that they could use, and I think it's pretty cool what they've done for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm really um, excited to to try a pair. I, I just think that you know if you know if somebody's got questions out there, you know, and, and, and look, I'm still breaking it down. I I, I, mm-hmm. I I've only looked through a couple of them. I haven't looked through the whole thing yet. So I'm just saying what works for me, and I'm trying to help other guys, you know, like mm-hmm. wade through it and figure out what works for them too. Yeah, but I've got I've got a couple other questions yeah. I want to. Oh no, yeah, absolutely. I let you go. Yeah, you've been really generous with your time. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about was uh, the Suaro ATC. So the small spotting uh-huh. scope that was released. It's been it's been what maybe a year, year and a half yep. now at this point. Um, I think people have had a chance, you know, to use it. You know, last season, this season. Uh, I just wanted to know uh, feedback. You know, good, bad. Has it been good? Bad. I think what are your thoughts on it? And then also, I had a guy ask me today, and I, I, I promised him I would ask. Oh this yeah, question. yeah, yeah. So, um, given the small size of that, um, he still wanted to know would I recommend uh, angled or straight, and why? Even because um, it's such a small package. So, let's answer his question first because it's really. I think it's okay. so. I am never one that's not going to sit here and tell you the obvious. But looking through an angled spotting scope, for the most part, if I'm looking at somewhat, I'll call it slightly down or or up, you know, desert floor and mm-hmm. up kind of things, I think that the, the, the angles are more comfortable than the straights, okay? However, I am far more concerned for me that when I pull my binos, remember that 85%, I'm pulling my binos off, Mm -hmm. I'm putting them down, I'm sliding my spotter on. If I've locked my tripod right, I haven't had to lower it down to, you know, for the angle, then look into it. I'm, I should be looking right where that animal was. And target acquisition, especially times in low light, in times where, you know, light's fading, he's going over a, a saddle and we're not going to see him again. Are we hunting that deer tomorrow or, you know, is it big enough or is it not big enough or whatever? Mm-hmm. The thing that I have found interesting about the STC, that anybody that has a straight spotting scope, that when, when let's say it's a, a, an, S, a, a, an STX 95, I mean, you know, that sucker's about that long, right? When you put mm-hmm. it on the tripod... I've got to back away. I kind of got right. to get up and I got to get my, my, my posture right. And I got to look into it. And so it, it kind of pushes you away from, from being comfortable a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well on the STC, because it's, it, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's only that long. Mm-hmm. I, I can use that straight and there, I don't, I don't know. I'm going like, I will have one and it will be a straight. Gotcha. So for me, purposely, like what I want to use, I'm going straight for, for that alone. One thing that needs to be said is, is that right now, 
um, there is no way they do not have the, the access uh, band hmm. that you allows you to turn it. the access. So, um, so that's an important thing right now. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the effects of this, the most interesting thing that I think happened when, when we started the ATC, STC, I don't think Swarovski expected this to happen, but really what it made people do is, is they went way over here and looked at the lightweight stuff. And then they looked at where they were with the big stuff and made them come back and settle on 65s. Mm-hmm. They sold more 65s than they have in the last two years because of that little one. Really? Oh my God, it's been through the roof. I can hardly keep That's interesting. I can hardly keep some of them in stock. It, yeah. It's not to take anything huh. away from the little one, but remember what I talked about compromise. Mm-hmm. Guys were like, well, I'm over here at the 80, and now I'm swinging all the way this way. Oh, wait a minute. You know, they do have that 65. Why am I not going yeah. with that? And I, there's been a number of people that have done that. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I, I think it's made people look and reevaluate and figure out again what's best for their scenario. Mm-hmm. Because my thinking of the STC HEC is simply this. I want something that I know that if I'm going to go up into that canyon – well, I already know that I, I know where the deer is going to be at, and I and I and I completely understand that maybe that canyon's only six or seven hundred yards across. Mm-hmm. Do I have to take everything else that I would normally take? Can I get by with my tens or twelves and a small spotter? Mm-hmm. I think I, I think you can. I think that mm-hmm. that piece is is, is incredibly. Um, I think it's a little bit more responsive or better light transmission um, because it's it's not an eyepiece and a body. So all mm-hmm. those extra pieces of glass in between, it's it's a very efficient piece. Gotcha. Um, I, I was explained that it was basically made more like an EL, which mm. we all know the ELs. That I mean, that's a that's an incredible piece of glass, super good edge-to-edge quality. Um, mm-hmm. I've kind of found the wheelhouse of the STC to be um, – I kind of like it in that 32-ish power. You know, what, mm-hmm. what? I mean, I'll admit, once you start getting into the 40, I mean, your exit pupil goes way down. It's not necessarily – it's not the worst image I've ever seen in my life, but it mm-hmm. is different than looking at it at 32 power. So gotcha. um, I, I think it's a quality piece of gear. I think it's here to stay. I've been asking for it for more than a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been bugging Swarovski that you know somebody needs to make a high quality. Well, Koa answered that very well with the 5.53 and 5.54s. Mm-hmm. So that piece of gear in itself is good. But the, the um, I mean, it, you know, the compact thing is really, you know, it's in its wheelhouse right now. It's, it's in a good place. Lots of people are yep. using it. And I mean, let, let's think of it this way, Trail. So um, I've, I've kind of tried to figure out the best way to explain to people what they're giving up and, and taking away. So if I have a 56 millimeter small spotter and you and I could basically agree on 
that when you go below a two millimeter exit pupil, we both agree that the image starts to deteriorate the far, the smaller you go, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just yeah. say that two millimeter is optimum, you know, for, for the most part. Well, two millimeter exit pupil on a 56 millimeter is 28 power. Mm. If you go to the 65 millimeter, well, now you're at 32 and a half power. Yeah. Well, if I go to the 80, now I'm at, 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 uh, at, at 40 power. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's say, you know, uh, you know, go to the 90 or I'm sorry, go a hundred millimeters. We're at 50 power. So my point is if you're a guy that you're looking for photo quality and, and you need extra magnification and all that stuff, and you need the light to your eye and you need a bigger man, maybe the STC is not for you. But if right. you're just a guy that's using his tens and twelves, and really what he's trying to do is double his power just so he can see something just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Th- maybe that's all that guy needs. Right. That's where I think that those those pieces shine. I mean, that is th- that that is legitimately what they're designed for. And I think you can mm-hmm. eke a little bit more out of them. I think it's a very efficient, you know, piece of gear. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, that's I, I a, hope that's I, you know, I, I hope I'm answering all your questions. But I'm, no, you are. You're 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 nailing it. Um, I've got a simple question for you. Oh, I'll take simple. All <laughs> I can get. Uh, binoculars. I I cups in or I cups. Oh, out? I, I cups in. No, that perceived field of view and that wider field of view. I'll take it all day long over everything. The only time that I I ever think that it's appropriate. For me, is if you're an eyeglass mm-hmm. wearer and you need that, or you know that you're getting super amp, you know, like bright ambient light that's hitting you, I will always go um, uh, eye cups down. Yeah, and I, yeah, I and you know I, I gotta be honest with you, that started with me with a set of Doctor Optics way back in the day, like I'm talking mm-hmm. like early, you know, like '90s, '95, something like that. And I had to, the eye cup, the, they were those rubber flimsy eye cups and they, they just hit mm-hmm. my eyes funny. So I folded them back and I've never put my eye, eye cups out since. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. So good, every good once answer. in a while I'll, I'll get a binocular that maybe has three or four stage, you know, deals that I might bring mm-hmm. them out slightly more than another, you know, I mean, just, just like one notch or something. I, I've done that before, but. It, it generally depends on the binocular, but, um, you know, I, I'm generally an eye cups in all the way. Yeah. Me so, as well. Yeah. That perceived field got, of view is got, incredible. Yeah. I got a, a fun question to ask you. I want, <laughs> let's say that Cody has the best year ever in sales. And at the end of the year, Porter, <laughs> who's our CEO, he is like, you know what, Cody, you've done such do I, do I get, a bang up job. Do I get an optics package? You you get an optics package. You no um, no expenses spared. You get whatever you want. You get to well. You, you heard get a it, pair Porter. Of binos, you get a spotting scope. You get a, a range finder. What's Cody oh, Nelson geez. picking? And um, you know, part of my system is already pretty well in place, and I I two things that I know that will be a just an with an out of doubt constant for me right now. 10 by 42 NL pier. 
Okay. Um, BTX 115. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I use those. I, 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 th- those would be my staples. I don't think I could ever go without having a set of 15s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the other thing that I would really say is, is, um, rangefinder. I'm really kind of attached right now. Um, I really, really, I really am attached right now to the SIG Kilo 5k. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like the program. Don't get me wrong. There's a, there's the, the Leica pro binoculars. I, I think that that mapping and the thing that they've got going with that is really, really hard to beat. Um, mm-hmm. There's a part, I mean, God, why do you have to put me, narrow me down so much? <laughs> um, I like your list though. B, B, Timba, you know, Timba well, here's another one. Like the Revic BR4. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's such a phenomenal piece of, of glass that, you know, just for the pure, rifle dude that's 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 shooting that long distance stuff i mean aaron and those guys have just cranked that out and done a great job with it um yeah i mean god you've got some really good pieces there um yeah you know again uh there's just so much there um Mm -hmm. i i wanted to ask though i thought i thought what is cody's wish i'll tell you another one I, I tell you another one that's highly undervalued right now. The Zeiss 10 by 40 SFL, highly mm-hmm. undervalued. You've got to look at those. They're just, that's a great piece of glass. It's a great price point. I think you're getting a lot for it. And I, and I, you know, again, then you look at the, you know, see, see, I fall in love with optics. Then I start talking about the UHDs, you know, and where we've come yeah. with those. You know, and then and then I get I get, you know, sucked into like I I I love the ten forty two razors. Like I'm just I just love glass, bud. Sure. You can't pin no, me down I, I like on all your that list. stuff. I'm the worst like guy in the way- world to pin down on that stuff sometimes. <laughs> it's because I'm always testing stuff. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I like your list though. I, I'm in I'm in agreement. I think that's I, uh, a good list. Oh, it's a great list. I've got a pair of uh, kind of my staple binoculars. It's been a Leica Noctavid. It's a ten by forty two, and I've had them for a number of years. Beautiful. Yeah, the only the only yeah the only pair of binos that's tempted me has been the the NL peers, and there's I've I've been several times like on the brink, like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of these Leicas and and go to the peers because I do think like I haven't I've never I've never looked through a pair of glass that I've been more impressed by. Than those peers, I think yeah, I think there's something to do. There's something I don't think people, in general, understand the value of field of view. Mm-hmm. It's like if you ask me, Cody, you know, like you you use the 15 so much. The downfall of the 15s is that it's got a 236 foot field of view. Mm-hmm. So when you do get under that thousand, man, you look, you look like you're, you know, looking through a paper towel holder. Well, mm-hmm. if you could give me a 15, you know, with a 200 and 
95 or 200 or 300 foot field of view or something like that, man, that just changed my world around. Well, sure. So all I'm saying is, is that when, when people really understand the, the value of having, for example, I've used eight by 42s most of my adult life because mm-hmm. I've always liked that field of view. Well, now sure. you're telling me that I can have two more magnification and I'm still getting 400 foot field of view. Sign mm-hmm. me up. Yeah. I mean, trail, that's the difference when you got two bull, when you're working two bulls, and I can see both of them in the in the in the outside edges of my my eights, but now you're telling me mm-hmm. I can have the tens that that where, where do you like, sign me up? Yeah, I think that that's yeah, I think I that that's a game changer for me. I I mean it's not you know the only use for them, but I just always look at the eights that I've been using that they were a fantastic piece of glass that now I can have two extra magnification but have the same field of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah pretty yeah i'm with you that's been been like the yeah that's been the one piece of glass i think probably within the last you know few years where it's really got me you know got my wheels turning and then you know we 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 had the sig guys in and and they make a good case for an image stabilized bino so i'm i'm definitely interested but those two those two for me are kind of like the the things that are the most exciting for me at this point but i think that all of them have their uses I, I just think all of them have their uses i i think that mm-hmm. i'm so excited about this i mean i get i get uh, you know four or five phone calls of those a day mm-hmm. so you know what i i answer the questions and 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 the it, what everybody's trying to figure out now is right now is what magnification and, and field of view works the best for them yeah that, that, that no, that's, that's all good. The, that's all everybody's trying to do is figure out which one works best yeah like well, I had other questions, Cody, but I've had you for two hours. So I'm gonna have to have you back on. I think we'll we'll talk tripods. Hey, we'll talk. That's a two parter, baby. We'll, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll do another one later. I'll cut you free after two hours. Um, give give us uh, give me a rundown on where people can find you. Like, what's the oh, best way to reach um, out to you? Well, as most people, you know, just so most people know, I'm not. I work out of my house in Scottsdale, Arizona. Hmm. So the the ways to get a hold of me is you know you can call in on the main line uh, 702-847-8747. You can okay. email us at um, optics at gohunt.com. Um, and then the one thing that you know I've always told people and I've never shied away from this, my cell number is six zero two three nine nine three six nine nine. If you need help, call me. Um, you know, if you've got a big list of things that you want to tell me about, shoot me an email and then we can talk and whatever. But, you know, if you need something quick or right away or, you know, whatever, you know, don't, don't have, I, I'm not going to shy away from you. And, and I answer my cell phone all the time. So whatever. I mean, but yeah, so the, the main number 702-847-8747, uh, optics at gohunt.com. And then, um, and then obviously myself. So yeah, those are the, the okay. best ways this to get what a hold Cody of me does. anytime. This is what Cody does for a living. Cody an- answers questions about optics. Yep. He helps people out. He helps you make your decisions. And if you if you didn't learn anything today, yep. it's the fact that uh, there are a ton of options. Every scenario and people, you know, individuals' needs are different. You know, this and their budgets are different. There's all these considerations that need to be made. And Cody's a guy that can like help you know work you through it. He's he's like yeah. an optics therapist. I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> interested in what they need 
to help mm-hmm. their situation get better. Yeah. Well, right on, Cody. I really appreciate you taking a couple hours hey, Trail, out of your day to, I, to jump on. I am so excited for you that you're doing this. I was so happy when that got announced that I you deserve this. There's an audience. There's people that are are in. You're infectious with your information and knowledge, and just let it happen and let it. As the dentist says, it's you know it's like Novocaine. Just let it ooze in and and take a hold. And and I. <laughs> I know you're going to be doing this for a while, so just hammer away. And if you need me at any time, holler at me. I'm I'm more than happy to jump on here whenever you want. Thanks, Cody. I really appreciate it. You've always been a, a good friend, a, a confidant. You know, you're a guy that I can bounce ideas off or vent to, and so I really yep. appreciate it. Appreciate Absolutely, your time. likewise. Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure to work with you, Trail. Uh, inspiring, Thanks, actually. Buddy. Humbled. <laughs> Humbled and inspiring. Have a have a good evening, buddy. You guys too. It. Have have a good one, bud. Say hello to the family. Yeah, well, bye. Then, bye.